Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, where we give you the latest look at the WSL, the Championship and beyond. I've got some brilliant guests on the show today. We have Lucy Ford, who is the co-founder of Her Game 2, and making her debut on the pod, it's freelance journalist Annie Mills. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on today. Thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. To start off, we're going to be talking about the early kickoff on Sunday with the North London Derby and what a day it was. Earlier on, I spoke to a friend of the podcast and one of the hosts of our Euros Hangout Pods and big Arsenal fan, Nicole Holiday, about the day. The last time these two sides met, Arsenal struggled at the Hive and only managed one point as Miedemar equalised in the dying minute of the game. But this game was something a little bit different. Nicole, you were there. You're joining us today. Tell us all about it. It was a record-breaking day at the Emirates. How was the atmosphere for this fixture? Oh, it was so good. Thanks for having me, by the way. Also, I like okay. I like listening to people do their job, and I'm like, oh, you're really good. That's a really that's a really good intro. Um, oh, it was so good. What was nice as well is I went with my mum. So after the Euros, she actually bought a season ticket for Arsenal women, um, which like she she never went to games before, really. Um, so that's like that's really cool. And when she sent me like a screenshot that she'd done it. I was like, you see, this is this is what it's about. This is exactly what we all wanted off the back of the success mm. of that tournament. So I met her before and she was wearing a little Arsenal top. Um, and it was just, it was so nice. Like, you know what? There's there's loads of different elements of why it was great. Um, the result, obviously, the atmosphere was wicked. What I really liked, um, and I'm quite interested on people's opinions on this because I think it's you get quite a mixed bag I reckon I'm the minority within women's football that quite like this you know there were quite a lot of chants like stand up if you hate Tottenham stuff like that I like that I think that's what it sometimes lacks within the women's game don't get me wrong there's uh, a limit to that sort of stuff Mm. we don't want it to become sometimes a toxic culture that you see in men's football Um, absolutely not of course not and I think that's what is really nice about the women's game is it feels like a much safer space you never feel threatened you feel like you can go by yourself it's quite welcoming but especially for something like a North London derby because as an Arsenal fan you've grown up with within the men's game there being such an insane enormous rivalry between those two teams and you know, I think it's fair to say it's not quite the same with Arsenal and Spurs in the women's game. Um, there was a bit more of, um, I guess, that sort of um, rivalry atmosphere at the Emirates on the weekend. And I like that. I, I think, again, if it's done uh, in more like in, in jest or more, mm. you know what I mean, more of a fun way when it doesn't get taken out of hand and no one feels unsafe or anything like that. I think we should kind of encourage that. It just adds a bit more atmosphere. And I think, again, I'd be interested to see how the players feel about it. But I think it just must add a bit of like spice, a bit of something for them as well to really get behind. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great performance from Arsenal. To be honest, kind of exactly what I was expecting. Um, like I said, they are they are the better side. Uh, I think Spurs are generally doing well in the WSL, but Arsenal are, are just kind of quite a bit in front, uh, quality-wise. And then you've got 
the added I guess pressure on Spurs of it being at the Emirates but when we were there it was like 53,000 and whatever tickets sold or people here and I was like yeah and then I came away and I was reading some match reports and I kept seeing like 47,000 and something and I was like wait wait what who's who's lying to me um so it was 53,000 tickets sold but then 47,000 I don't quite know why they kept they kept pushing forward on the 53,000 tickets sold because there's always going to be a discrepancy in the number of people who buy tickets and the number of people who attend. And that's okay. There's always going to be that in all of the games, but you don't want to highlight that because then people are going to focus on the fact that 6,000 people who had tickets didn't show up. Now, looking into last season, you would be lucky to get 3,000 people at games, 2,000 people at games. So 6,000 people really sounds like a lot. Were they as dominant as the scoreline suggests or was was it even more? I feel like we had quite a lot more chance. It could have been an absolute, I mean, that is a thrashing 4-0. But so where me and my mum were sat in the North Bank, we, in the first half, it was all the action was coming towards us. So we were like, yeah, this is great. We're seeing everything. And my mum said just before half time, she was like, oh no, I've just realised in the second half, we're going to be shooting the opposite side. We're not going to see a thing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Because it it was so, it was very one-sided, it felt. Um, and so you kind of almost lost the action in the second half. I, I forgot to bring my glasses as well. So I couldn't see a thing. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. <laughs> so I was just like sat there kind of squinting, trying to see the other side. But yeah, I mean, it felt incredibly comfortable, didn't it? Um, mm. I, again, I think, I don't think anyone would be massively surprised at the scoreline um, or an Arsenal win. I think you would have been a very brave person to have backed Spurs heading into this. Um, I'm I'm feeling confident, you know, for Arsenal this season. Maybe I'm being a classic deluded Arsenal fan. Although, you know, I, I, no, I don't think that's fair because we just lost out last season. Right. Yeah. Right at the end. I think it's going to be disappointing for Arsenal if they don't make something of this season because realistically, what is it, three years now with no silverware? Yeah, yeah. And for a side that's the calibre that Arsenal have, I really think that's that's not a good look for the side if they can't make something of this season. That I don't think that's me being over, overly critical. It's it's all. just a it's a bit of an underperformance of the last thing they won was the WSL that WSL title in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but also the because they have an incredibly strong squad. They have players like Beth Mead, who is on seems to no, be a continuous upwards oh. trajectory at the moment. She's she's playing fantastic football. She seems to be enjoying her football whenever she's asked. She says that she enjoys her football. Viv's taken a bit of a step back, playing in a different um, kind of a different role, a different position. But it's whether they can keep that momentum up for the entire season. I think that's what's going to be seeing whether yeah. they win or not. Yeah, and that's the thing. You make a really good point. Is this is a squad now that is comfortable with one another, knows each other well. Um, Off the back of a successful Euros tournament, we've got obviously a few players from that and and the likes of Beth Mead. Oh my God, she's just, she's so good. The thing is, obviously she's always had this talent, right? And and this ability, but she, it's like something switched in her in the past, I don't know, maybe year or so. And she is this like, the most confident person she comes she looks so like physically strong so mm. I don't like a force to be reckoned with she she's terrifying and I love that and I love that she's 
in our team. I'm slightly worried about Viv Miedemark because I heard her speaking the other day saying that since she had COVID, she's still not completely feeling 100% and back to kind of her her full fitness or full health. Um, That's not, you know, not great because we know how, how important she is for Arsenal. In this fixture, an early goal from Beth Mead that exploited a kind of disjointed looking Tottenham defence. I saw a tweet that said Tottenham looks as comfortable as wearing your underwear backwards, which I think really kind of summed it up. I was watching on the TV, but that kind of summed up what the defence looked like. Yeah. But we, it kind of showed that it was going to be a really different fixture to when these teams last met. Has Arsenal improved or has something happened to Tottenham? Ooh. That's a good question. Probably, you know what? I don't think it's fair to say that something's happened at Tottenham. I was going to say maybe probably a bit of both. Um, Arsenal look very solid, very confident. Um, We know they've got a lot of goals in them. Defensively, though, they're looking great. What is it, like eight? I think it's eight clean sheets in a row. Eight clean sheets, yeah. Um, That's working really well. Spurs Spurs really weren't great, were they? Um, They looked quite off it. But then again... I think it's quite hard when you are playing against a team that are much better than you, do have mm. more quality than you, and you're it's a it's a massive occasion. We all know that, and it's at Emirates Stadium. Um, I think it's a case of Arsenal just being the better team, having a much better performance, but also Spurs weren't weren't at their best, were they? Um, yeah, it was. It was very, very one-sided. It was probably more one-sided than I was expecting it Mm. to be, actually, in this game. I don't know whether it's getting used to kind of a new system because they have had quite a high turnover of players. You have players coming in from the US, like James and Amy Turner. You have players coming from elsewhere. They've recruited um, from quite a lot of different different leagues um, over the summer. I'm going to say something that... I might get chopped up and might get me lots of abuse on Twitter. Um, But I thought it the whole time I was watching the match. And I'm going to say it again. My player of the match was Ashley Neville. She had a fantastic game. She seemed to be the only player who was deciding to do really anything for Arsenal, uh, for Tottenham, sorry. She was defending she was pushing balls forward in the midfield she was trying to she was trying to attack she was trying to play down the way she was trying to play down the <laughs> really center trying. nothing nothing was happening nothing was going her way and I saw something that said that if this fixture had te- if Tottenham had 10 Ashley Nevilles on the field right now this would this would be a very different game and I think that I I just, I found it so impressive. She just was everywhere. You watch the highlights back. She's involved in all of it. And you just think, how as one, as one player, are you able to put in such a kind of impressive performance when your team's being battered 4-0 yeah, and being completely that. dominated in all aspects of the pitch? And you're still, <laughs> and like, I am not her biggest fan at all, but I was so impressed. You sound like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Um when there were rumours that she was going to Manchester United over the summer, I was not very happy. But <laughs> if maybe I should have been. Maybe I should have pushed for it more because, my goodness me, I, genuinely, I thought she was fantastic. So maybe it's that the team isn't coherent enough yet. And that's a real shame because they seem to want it more. They seem to they seem to want it more when they played them back, when they played Arsenal back in February. 
and they seem to have kind of accepted the fact that they probably were going to lose that fixture yeah yeah and then and so then they didn't try and the Beth and as soon as the Beth Mead goal went in it was like well okay they're you knew they weren't going to score that many goals in this game they were maybe going to get one probably not two so as soon as the first goal went in what was it in the fourth minute it wasn't going to be a win and they kind of everyone apart from Ashley Neville seemed to go well that's that's it then yeah that's such a good point isn't it like it's almost that defeatist attitude straight away like going into you can't go into a game like that knowing that you're going to lose because what how's that going to give you any motivation or confidence if you're already heading into it or playing like that and yeah I get it it's really hard to concede an early goal you've got to be very mentally strong and as a team as a unit really come together to go right okay that's okay we're not going to concede anymore or we're going to get one back um but it just felt like like they they knew oh yeah that was going to happen oh well as long as it's not like a a nine niller or something and you kind of don't want that defeated defeatist what's it what's that word you know what I mean that sort of attitude um but I don't know I think it'll be interesting to see what sort of season they have Spurs um because I think I think generally I I I quite like can I say as an Arsenal fan I I quite like them as a side as a football fan as a football fan as a football fan yeah there we go but I um I feel like I do think Arsenal can do I don't know I, I don't want to get my hopes up because also the men's team are doing well as well and I'm like oh my god could this be a season where like both Arsenal sides make something really happen I don't I feel like the women's team can anyway surely it's looking good for them it is it is 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 that, is that your final point that is looking good for them and you think they are, they are winning seasons. the WSL no I think I think they can I think how they not lost it last season, but, you know, it, it, it was so close. Um, you would think that would have lit a little fire up their butts and it will make them even more. Obviously, they want it and they've got the quality. I think they've got the manager. I think they everything. They've got all the ingredients to do it. Um, and I think getting that close last season, that must do something in you, give you that extra motivation to make sure that you you get it and yeah I mean how the season started very positive mm. I mean you know only two games in the WSL but still every game counts in the WSL every yeah. game counts yeah thank thank you for coming on Nicole it was brilliant to hear you speaking all, all the stuff about the North London derby so thank you very much you're always welcome here on the women's football podcast oh thank you thanks for having me exercise it doesn't have to mean lycra or a fancy gym membership A regular brisk 10-minute walk is a great way to get more active. Picking up the pace and getting your heart pumping can make a real difference to your health. To see how much you're doing and how you can fit more into your day, download the free Active 10 app. Better health. Let's do this. Over on to the games on Sunday. Chelsea versus Manchester City proved to be a blockbuster fixture. Both teams desperately needing points on the board after they both suffered shock losses in the opening games of the season. Emma Hayes has changed around the formation of her team from the three at the back that Chelsea benefited from during last season to a 4-2-3-1, giving Sam Kerr the freedom to play that all-out striker role. Chelsea went ahead before half-time with a cutback that Frank Kirby put away, and a handball in the box by Leila meant that Mielda converted a penalty to seal the match. It was her first WSL goal since coming back from an ACL injury. 
Now, Chelsea bouncing back in this fixture from their disappointing loss to newly promoted Liverpool. Do you think the side still has a way to go, go from being at their best? At points, they looked very disjointed. Annie, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> it wasn't a safe win for Chelsea by any stretch. I think we created a lot of problems for ourselves playing out from the back. We were loose of possession at times. We squandered quite like easy chances. And for the most part, especially for the first 45 minutes, I really do think that City exerted their dominance over Chelsea a lot more. They were high pressing. They were more clinical with chances. Um, but then I think when Chelsea scored and City conceded they just kind of lost their heads a bit and Chelsea kind of played out on that momentum and I think Chelsea are always really really vicious on the counter-attack City know that and yet they weren't managing to kind of deal with it neither team played the type of football we're used to seeing from them but I think a few mistakes from City and Chelsea's like I said viciousness on the counter-attack that's what clipped it for them yesterday but in terms of having a long way to go City, it's an upward, it's an upwards battle for them now to um get in to be title contenders. But Chelsea, I think, I mean Chelsea always lose their first game of the season. It's kind of like written in the stars for them. So I think, I think, I think we'll be fine. I think we need to see better. But I think all in all, it was it was good considering how awful they were in the first weekend. Yeah, talking about a player that's still still developing. Lauren James uh, showed her prowess in this game and the control, she really kind of executed that very well and kind of demonstrates that she's on the up again. Do you think it was right for Emma Hayes to put her faith in Chelsea's new number 10? Oh, 100%. Like, I am a massive fan of Lauren James. And in the, I think it was the second half, I was sat in the media stand and she was in front of me quite a lot of the time. And I just, I was just drawn to her. Like, honestly, watching her, I'm in awe. And everyone's saying she's the one to watch. And they're right, because yesterday she was just paces above everybody else. She managed to weave her way through the Man City defence several times. She's got really good physical strength, so she manages to hold people off. And she's, she even tries, like, a few shots, and you never know which foot she's going to go to. And like you said, her kind of, like, tactility and control on the ball it's just she's just so good to watch and I think she's easily going to be Chelsea's best player this season if like she's just so good honestly especially for how young she is now Lucy what is the next move for Manchester City we're constantly talking about the departures that have happened over the summer who is left why they have left but now it's time to focus on their team because realistically they still have world-class players what should they focus on now? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, having the players that are left and actually just kind of moving on. Because obviously, you know, you know, some of the players that have left, you know, Lucy Bronze, uh, Kara Walsh, you know, who are absolute superstars. You know, you, you can only talk about Kara Walsh over the last kind of couple of seasons has just grown and grown and grown. But, you know, those players have gone and, you know, this is this is a team that's left. And, you know, yeah, in the last few years, they've been, you know, a real powerhouse in the WSL. But I think, you know, it's, it's about moving on and it's just kind of, I feel like a bit of like a transitional period for Man, Man City women at the moment. And so I think that's kind of, um, it would kind of be interesting as like an outsider kind of see how they get on this season. But um, I, yeah, I agree with Annie. I think it's going to be maybe like a, it's hard to say because it's so early on, you know, it's literally been two games and, you know, you can't call anything after two games, but you know, maybe it's going to be like a middle of the road season for them really interesting to see if that if that projection does come through and we can see another team breaking into that top three 
by the end of the season. It's very telling. The Chelsea fans were singing and screaming, we want you to stay, we want you to stay. Gareth Taylor, we want you to stay. Again, it's it's kind of ad- adding that little uh, level of shade to the game, which which yeah. which does really help. But I think there is quite a lot of truth truth in that, in the way that it's playing. It'll be very interesting. His contract is up at the end of this season. It'll be very interesting to see whether that whether that gets renewed. Elsewhere, down south though, Brighton picked up an important three points at the Amex as they beat Reading 2-1. Lee Kumin had a dominant display in throughout the game as she slotted home a goal in the 40th minute and assisted Robinson in the 80th for the second goal that sealed the game. Reading got back a consolation goal in the fourth minute of stoppage time. It wasn't enough to claw anything back. Now, Deanna Rose has been ruled out for a long spell on the sidelines due to an injury. This is another loss that I'm sure Kelly Chambers wouldn't have wanted for her side and she would have wanted them to pick up points. Annie, do you think it's panic stations for Reading? I wouldn't say panic stations. I think, I think, like you just said, it's still very early on in the season. I think they've got a long way to go and I think people put way too much pressure on the first couple of games of the season. I know it's... There's not as many teams in WSL. The league is quite short. But I think two games in, you really can't be calling who's going to win. Last year, Arsenal lost the WSL, I think on the last day of the season, with like one point difference, was it? You just can't tell to the end of the season at all. Um, and I think Reading are a solid team. I think, no, I think it's it's definitely not too, too, it's not too soon to call it right now. In an interview earlier on this year, Lee Yu Min said that in Brighton, they play for each other in the team. Are we seeing this in Hope Powell's side, Lucy, do you think? And how important is it that the players play for each other when you're coming to football? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, um, Maya Letizia was a massive loss for Brighton last season. Um, you know, going to Manchester United. But that's the thing, I think. You know, because you because you look at the league and you've got like, you know, you've got the Arsenal and the Chelsea's. But, you know, teams like Brighton have really, you know, their teams have been really invested in and really supported. And you can just kind of tell that, the, you know, the players are playing for each other and, you know, picking up some good results. I mean, that's a, you know, for Brighton, that's a really great result against Reading. Um, and, you know, Hope Paul, you know, been a stalwart of the women's game for a long, long time. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's good to see them doing, doing well and, um, and yeah, and then, and then I think they've kind of recruited quite well as well this season, um, you know, with them um, bringing in uh, Poppy Pattinson from Everton as well. So it's, I think, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be right up there, but I think they're going to have a good season. I really do. Talking about another stalwart of the women's game, Carla Ward said that Leicester versus Aston Villa was 90 minutes of her life that she will never get back. But her side still managed to come away with a 2-0 win. A penalty in the third minute, slotted home by Rachel Daly, and a nicely worked goal by Glenick in the 86th minute secured the win. Now, Villa really struggled scoring goals last season, but they seem to be able to find the back of the net now. To put in a poor performance and still win is a really impressive feat. But Lucy, how important has recruitment been for this side? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really, really important to... You know, especially if you're not coming off the back of like a, a difficult season, you know, you're going to be, you you know, you know where you need to improve. Um, And, you know, Rachel Daly has come in, obviously from Houston Dash, um, obviously off the back of, you know, the summer that none of us will ever forget um, and really hit the ground running back in England. Um, You know, she's been, she was in amazing form anyway in America. Um, But, you know, to come back playing for, for Villa and scoring um, and, you know, 
again another team that you know I think that I think that's two wins out of two now um and that um you know for Carla Ward that all only you know bring confidence obviously I know it is still early on but you know if you're getting two wins out of two in the first kind of couple of games and you know not even putting in you know ideally like the best performance you know it, it you know you're getting those points on the board and that will build consistency that you hopefully will take in throughout the season Talking about recruitment or kind of lack thereof, Leicester seem to also be in a bit of a worrying position. Annie, what do you think they've got to do to beat the drop this year? Um, I think in terms of recruitment, they've not, obviously not done a lot of the summer transfer window, especially when you've got big teams like Chelsea, City, even Aston Villa bringing in players that have done so well throughout the Euros. I think um, they're one team that's kind of like lagged in that respect. But I think... I only watched their first game because um, obviously I was at Chelsea yesterday. But I think I think the way they play or the way they've been playing so far this season, it's a bit conservative. They seem very safe with their chances. They keep drawing back when they're near the six-yard box. They're, just, they're too safe for my liking. And I think when you've got teams like Arsenal, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Spurs, Man United, like teams that have got a forward for front three and a striker that just absolutely go for it and will like whack anything at the net just like honestly without like kind of like thinking about it that's where you start to see the difference like that's what I saw in Man City yesterday they were too safe with their chances and therefore you don't get as many and I feel like when I watched them play in their first game last week that's what I felt with um with them as well yeah, it's funny. Nicole and I actually spoke about that earlier on in the podcast. It's almost like that mentality thing of Tottenham. Or I feel like Tottenham went into that game thinking that they weren't going to win. And because they they thought that they weren't going to win, they then didn't do particularly well. And they kind of sat back and allowed allowed uh, things like the other teams to kind of walk, walk all over them. And you're seeing that with Leicester as well. If they, they know that they aren't the best team, but they're not playing with freedom. So I think that's kind of where they where they fall down. Over to the Hammers, though. West Ham could not respond to Manchester United as they lost 2-0 at home to the Red Devils. The fixture has been a tricky one for the Reds in previous seasons, but despite wasted chances in the first half, goals from new signings, Lucia Garcia and a textbook strike by Hannah Blundell won the game for Man U. Now, Manchester United looked comfortable in attack in this fixture. There's a brilliant photo after the first goal was scored of Elatoun, Russo, Golton, Garcia and Badier celebrating together. Now, I, for one, I'm very happy with that forward-facing talent. But, Lucy, what do you think United need now to really compete for that top three position, that that thing they've never really been able to get to? Well, that's a good question, that. I mean, last year, I think it was, like, you know, it was that consistency. Um, and other thing is, like you said, the, the forward line is, you know, <laughs> pretty special, you know, with Russo and Toon. And, you know, another thing is, isn't just about them. It's, you know, it's having those new players that come in that scoring as well. Um, I definitely think it's like consistency, but also kind of like tighten up the defence a little bit. Um, because, you know, you know, it's, it's obviously it's great. You know, your front players scoring, but you've got to get it right throughout the team. You've got to get the spine of the team right. And. I think that's kind of what they need and just perhaps turning those, you know, those draws into wins and, you know, just getting that little bit of consistency about the team. Was this always going to be a game for West Ham to lose or do you think, Annie, that they're going to be disappointed that they didn't really make anything of this game? 
Um, I don't think it was one that they were always going to lose. I think Man United definitely went into it being the favourites. And like we just said, I feel like a, a massive part of it really is, it's like a mentality game, 50-50. And I think Man United, they've got the confidence. They've got a lot of Euro players in their squad at the moment. Like you said, with Alessio Russo and Ella Toon up front, they've got so much confidence in their ability. And that's clearly rippling through the rest of their squad at the moment. And that's so important because when you watch them against West Ham, you could see that West Ham just weren't kind of mimicking that confidence. And when you've got a really confident side and a really non-confident side, no matter kind of how good they are actually playing football, the more confident one generally tends to come out on top. I think West Ham, they're not a bad team at all. They're kind of like a middle-of-the-table um, team. They have been for the last couple of seasons. I think... With them, it, it kind of just depends. Sometimes they're beating the top team, sometimes they're not. I think yesterday, Man United were just too good for them. I think they deservedly won. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it does come down to confidence and West Ham really lacked that yesterday. It's interesting. They're a, they're a side that can really shock in the WSL. Obviously, they had the shock win mm. against... And it was actually a quite convincing win as well. Um, away at Manchester City last last season, they drew with Manchester United, which was one of the kind of point key points reasons why United didn't get didn't get that third place last season. So it'll be really interesting to see what they can pull off, both in how they're doing. They had their best season ever last year, so it'd be interesting how they kind of sit in the table if they're going to top that performance because they have had outgoings in both kind of key members of the squads, but also Oli Harder leaving too, which I think would have been a real blow for that for that team. Um, see how they're going to kind of play both where they're going to sit in the table and also how they're going to do kind of against the top three or four sides as well. But the final game of this round was at Anfield, where the majority of a record-breaking crowd for a Liverpool home game were left disappointed as Everton took all three points in the Liverpool derby. Megan Finnegan opened the scoring and then Jess Park got onto a through ball and calmly finished after putting both Jasmine Matthews and goalkeeper Rachel Laws on their backsides before slotting it home. Liverpool never really threatened, but Everton did defend stoically and Hannah Benison added a third on the break. Bit of a calm down for Liverpool after last week's result, but would you agree, Lucy, with Matt Beard, that his side looked a little bit scared in this fixture? Yeah, it's it's such a shame as well, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, it's the first Merseyside derby back in the WSL for Liverpool, um, you know, at Anfield. Yeah, with a, an amazing crowd, um, and you know, you know, with the performance week four as well. Like you're, you're hoping, you know, those games. I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't treat one game differently to the next, but you know, with you know, I was saying quite much. You know, the bigger games, you know, the more, you know, the closer derby games. You know, you want your players to feel up for it a little bit more. And yeah, it just felt like they got they almost like the occasion got a bit too much for them. And yeah, it was it was a shame because you know it had the whole hallmarks of being a really really exciting fixture but you know like we said Everton came away you know a deserved winners and you know they're, they're really really impressive can we show some love for Jess Park on this on this uh, pod though Annie do you think mini Messi that's a that's a good name she had an absolutely fantastic game on loan at Everton from Manchester City when she's in full flow she's such a good player to watch isn't she what do you think Annie yeah, I agree. I obviously didn't get to watch the game um, yesterday because I was at Chelsea. I watched the highlights when I got home, though. 
and Minnie Messi I like that I like that <laughs> um, yeah I mean she's a brilliant player she's so like nimble and quick and when she's going for goal she just darts it um she kind of reminds me a little bit um of old old school Ellen White like back in the day um even though they're not the same position but yeah they can't she kind of reminds me of her a little bit um but yeah she clearly had a brilliant game yesterday I think she's bringing like a lot of confidence to their side as well she's good at link up with um Finnegan and Benison as well um but yeah maybe mini Messi on the card maybe do you think because of the long-term deals that Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp have signed at Manchester City, they play in the same positions? Do you think that means that Jess Park isn't really going to be able to make her way in that squad? Obviously, the reason why she's gone on loan is because she's young and she needs minutes, but she's proved that she's top class and could have the ability to break into that Manchester City side. Is there just not a place for her? Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's because there's not a place for her. I think it's like you said, she just needs time to break into that squad. I think she needs more experience. She needs to go out on loan. She needs to experience different football clubs, different ethos and values, because that can really do wonders for a player rather than kind of being like stuck at the club that you've been at for such a long time. I think if she were to go back to Man City at the end of a loan spell next season, I think she would start to get minutes. Um, but... Yeah, no, I think I don't think it is about her not having a place. I just think it's about her needing more experience, more competitive experience. A lot of people went to watch women's football this weekend with both the North London derby and also this Merseyside derby here at Anfield. It was another great crowd, over 27,000 people. And again, showing the enthusiasm that has grown after the Euros. Lucy, from her game to what is your take on this increased attendance? Um, it's only a positive thing for me. Uh, I think, you know, the growth of women's football, it, you know, like we've said, women's football's always been there, but over the last few years especially, it's just grown and grown and grown. And I think, you know, especially this summer, it kind of almost captured everyone's attention. It was almost like everyone wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, I was so lucky to be a part of it, you know, to be at both the opening game and the final itself. Um, and... You know, to be in those crowds, everyone so friendly, so you know, willing, willing the lionesses on. Um, and from then, it's only had like I feel like it's only been a positive thing. I mean, even for my local team, um, our girls' team, so Bristol Rovers Women, has been kind of had a um only about a couple of years old. Um, they've had back to back promotions, but still at kind of like a a lower level. Um, because of the Euros, they had something like three hundred percent increase in their mailing list of people that want to go and watch them um and I know speaking to the the secretary Mavis he said to me you know I went on he went to the first game and he said there were people there that I've not seen before um and the crowd was just growing and growing and, and for uh, for me that's only a positive thing and you know to see you know 47,000 at Arsenal and 27,000 at Liverpool um was just was just great and you know a friend of mine um that went um, he said to me, you know, I was walking along, um, going to the ground, and I saw someone in one of your hoodies, and I was like, that's that's just surreal. That is just surreal. Um, but yeah, no, and it, it's just exciting. And you know, the more and more opportunities that you know they're at, they're playing at, you know, their own stadiums, um, is only a positive thing because you know I think this summer has been a real catalyst. But like you know, like the players said, it's just about you know keeping that a the momentum going, but also having the support as well from like you know, having that opportunities in the schools as well, because if they're not getting the opportunities to play in the schools and to see it firsthand, then, you know, almost like what's it, 
the summer been for in essence because otherwise you know we're almost back back a few steps again which is not we what what we don't want to see yeah completely that's that's mirroring what um ian wright said at the end of the euros final if girls aren't able to play football in schools then what what are we doing this for what if they can't encourage them to get involved with the game then what is the point of all of this but have you actually noticed more men taking an interest in the women's game especially since since the euros as well or just kind of over the past year um yeah definitely i mean even like personally like i i was away on holiday during one of the one of the games i think it was the court final game um and i didn't have access to a tv and my, and my dad was texting me updates and you know it was definitely the first time that i um you know have seen him like watching women's football with me obviously we watch football together and have done for many years and been so supportive of everything um but you know he you know him taking an active interest like posting things on social media about it like how excited he was like literally like it would be if he it was talk about Harry Kane or something and you know playing for England like in in the Euros the summer before it was exactly the same it just it was it was just the same for him and you know just seeing that even like in my own kind of personal family was amazing and I've definitely I've definitely noticed like more men going to to women's football and you know and just like kind of put it on like social media and I think I think last year was a big difference with you know the WSL being more easily accessible in terms of watching it on BBC and Sky Sports um, and that was a real positive thing um, but then obviously having the Euros and you know you know just keeping that on there and you know also being highlighted when you know when a international break like it has been this weekend um obviously on the men's side uh, but having it as you know the super sunday games and it's been great to see um but also it's also having those male players like the almost like like being advocates and supporters of it i know there's been so many um you know i mean ian wright is the biggest example but you know having those players you know actually seeing them like actively supporting you know the women's team whether it's going down to watch or you know putting things on social media you know if someone's got an amazing goal and like highlighting then how like amazing it's been or watching it themselves I think that's only a positive thing really yeah definitely I think what you said there about male allies is a, is a real good point obviously we don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes but Steven Gerrard apparently at Aston Villa has been a huge supporter of the women's side you saw photos of him going down to watch it and Aston Villa, they train at Bodymore alongside the men and they have they they use the facilities alongside the men. There has been promo material put out of Hannah Hampton doing stuff with the male goalkeeper and them interviewing together and talking about stuff like that. And I think it's only uh, it's only positive that there is kind of that crossover there because you might like one type of football and it, or the other type of football, or you might like both types of football, but it's all still football. And so it's it's about getting involved with that. Do you think there's been one specific catalyst and that's been the Euros? Or do you think that it's been a kind of mix of, as you mentioned, the broadcast deal or clubs being more involved? And also, what do you feel like is kind of the key? I know this is quite a big question, but what do you think is the key difference between maybe teams in the WSL but we're also seeing teams like Southampton getting really increased and, and Portsmouth like it was like a tier four game and they got something crazy like nine or ten thousand people there earlier on, earlier on in the year and what do you think are kind of the key catalysts for that is there a difference or is it the same thing across the board um I think there's there, there is different things across the board I definitely think like the broadcaster was was huge um obviously I I think the Euros has been a massive massive part of that as well um not and it wasn't just about winning obviously winning was incredible um but I think it was more like 
even like early on at the start of the tournament and you know going in and you know that first game like yes it was you know just one nil which I'm bad because the next game was just absolutely incredible and I think it was just from the beginning and it was just like I was I was obviously I, I was at Old Trafford I bought my ticket like a year before I was just looking around going this is going to be a special summer and I just felt it in me even on that first day um and then uh, yeah but the thing is like if you go down like lower tiers I think you know teams are really kind of you know, wanting to support their women's team. I, I know even like as local as like Swindon Town, they've just brought their women's team under the same umbrella as them. Um, and, you know, they're they're playing at a lower tier. And I think that's a really good thing as well. Um, I know with my own team, we we were really lucky and we had an opportunity to have a double header back in April. The, the men's team played at three o'clock. The women played, I think, about half six, quarter seven. Um and my my sister came for the for the women's game and she doesn't really like football and she said you know I really want to watch women's football now like I really enjoyed it um you know they played at the the Mams first time they played there again like using the same facilities I mean the football was incredible I mean some of the goals was I I was just stood there in awe I was just like this is amazing um and you could tell that the the girls really thrived off the atmosphere as well I think there was two and a half thousand in there. Um, and considering that they've been playing at a sports centre, like at the moment, um, they're only, I think they need to get into the next league above and then they'll, they'll have to move somewhere else. Um, and, you know, we're really hoping that, you know, we can get another opportunity for them to play at the men because last year was such a resounding success. And we'd love it if, you know, they could have this, uh, another opportunity this season. On to the championship next. In the championship, it's Bristol City who remain top despite only drawing at home to newly promoted Southampton. Welsh international Fee Morgan opened the scoring, but they were pegged back by the Saints in the second half by Beth Lumsden. Just a point behind Bristol at Charlton and Crystal Palace. The Addicts had to come from behind twice in an eventful game to eventually beat Sunderland up in the northeast. Emily Scar had Mel Ray's side ahead on 27 minutes. And that's the way it stayed until the 63rd minute when Ella Rutherford equalised. Emma Kelly had the Black Cats back ahead, but only for a minute as Norwegian defender Kira Skeels equalised. Summer signing for Durham, Abby Holmes, was then shown a second yellow card for the home side and Karen Hills' side won it in the last minute thanks to Alicia Endow's stoppage time winner. It was more straightforward for Palace as they won 3-1 at Blackburn thanks to a hat-trick from Elise Hughes, who spookily scored in the 13th, 43rd and 53rd minute. Fourth place, Sheffield United had to come from two goals down to salvage a draw at Lewis. Former Brisbane Raw midfielder Isabella Dalton put the home side ahead at the dripping pan and Amber Stobbs added a second before half-time. An own goal from Ellie Mason put the Blades back in the game before Charlotte Newsham grabbed an equaliser. London City Lionesses got a surprisingly comfortable win over Durham, who've started the season really quite badly. Birmingham won the West Midlands derby against Coventry United. It was looking comfortable for the Blues as they raced to a three-goal lead, but Cov showed great spirit and pegged them back to 3-2, but Darren Carter's side held on against a side which remains at the bottom of the table. Looking further below, it was Cup Day across the National League and below. One such cup match was the North West Regional Cup preliminary round where we were invited to Pretton Park to see Tramere Rovers ladies play their first competitive game at the ground in 20 years. It was a good day for them as they beat Older FC 7-0 in front of 757 fans. 
Producer Luke caught up post-match with Tranmere manager Sam Irvine, Patrick Hero, Anya McCready, and the lady who made it all happen, digital marketing manager Hannah Naylor. Sam, uh, what a great result here at Prenton Park today at 7-0 in the end. Yeah, great result um, and a great performance. 7-0, as you say, in front of a in front of a large crowd of 757. The Super White Army have really turned out for us today and, uh, and backed us in the numbers, so uh, we're really thankful to them for that. Yeah, we we surprised at how many have actually turned up today. Uh, not surprised, no, not surprised. It's it's, it's a great club, um, a great family club, community club, um, and you can see the feeling that they that they have for their team. So uh, not surprised, no. Um, just just really proud that they've all turned out to back the team today. And such a special occasion as well. Twenty years since the last competitive game here at Prenton Park for the women, and uh, what a way to like you say to show today, showcase your talents of the girls. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, like you say, we, we've done our bit there today. Um, we've got pulled a strong crowd in. Uh, we've put a good performance on, scored seven goals and, and got to the next round of the Cup. So, fantastic day all round. Yeah, and some standout performances as well. Uh, Angu with a hat-trick as well. Yeah, yeah. Hat-trick, uh, 17-year-old, led by example with her performance. Unbelievable. Really, really buzzing for us. Um, she's in there getting the match ball signed, so... Um, uh, an experience uh, I'm sure she'll never forget. And FA Cup next week as well, that's something you'll want to do well in as well? Yeah, FA Cup next week, um, another another big cup tie against a, a good side, um, a tough side will be coming across, um, but um, you know we'll, we'll be looking again to progress to the next round of the cup. You've got the match ball in your hand, uh, how does that feel? It feels great, I haven't scored many goals this season, so to get a hatchet, I'm buzzing. And where you got it as well, Prenton Park, you must be, like say, buzzing. Yeah, I'm made up, really. I can see your face, you're like looking at the ball, looking round, everyone's been signing it. It's, it feels like a dream come true, I suppose. Yeah, it does. I play with a good group of girls, so I'm made up to get the ball. Obviously, with the Euros in the summer, does that sort of inspire you as well with what happened there with the Lionesses? Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to see more of the women's game than going to some Liverpool ladies' games. And obviously we've got Sue Smith, uh, the, the picture of her up in the wall. She started a career here. She went on to have a successful career and I'm guessing you're thinking the same. Hopefully. I don't <laughs> want to get my hopes up. Hannah, what, what a successful day that's been for the club. Honestly, it's amazing. Um, there's a lot of people in the background of the club who've, who've worked hard to make today happen. Um, and to see so many people turn out has honestly just blew me away. I think it's been um, it's been fantastic. So I'd like to thank everyone who's who's helped to put today on and to all the fans that have turned up. Yeah, were you expecting as many people to come? At first, no. When people were like throwing ballpark figures around, I was like, can we just like take a step back? Let's not expect too much. It's the first time they've played here now in, in just over 20 years. But then when I was checking the ticket sales, like every day and they just kept going up and up and the amount of people who said to me um, oh we're, we're coming we're just going to buy on the day I started to think oh wow um, we could hit over 500 here and then to, when they read out the attendance before blew me away I'm absolutely made up and the girls put on a show didn't they oh they've been fantastic they're, they're unbeaten so far this season I was worried don't get me wrong that the occasion might have got the better of them I obviously knew what they were capable of doing um, but it's obviously the, the, the grass the 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 stadium itself and then obviously having so many fans here could have could have really got to them I know it would have got to me um, but no they never they, they stuck to it and they got an 
an absolute incredible performance. Is the plan now to have regular games here at Prenton Park now? Um, there's certain things we can and can't do, obviously, because we've got other clubs involved in, in playing on the ground, but it's definitely the start of something special, we hope. Never say never, but we're just going to see how this season gets on and then we'll um, look to next season. Many thanks to Nicole, Lucy, of course, and also Annie for coming on the show today. We will be back next week to review all of the action and bring you the latest news from the women's game. Make sure to follow us all on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Lucy, her game two, where can we find you? So we are on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at her game two. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on um, and yeah, giving me this opportunity to speak about it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching a few more women's games this season. Brilliant. Thank you. And Annie, where can we find you on social media? We're on I'm on sorry Twitter and Instagram at Annie M Media. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been lovely to talk all things Chelsea um, and hear from her games too as well. Big fan. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. And remember, if you're listening, have a great week. <laughs>